the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, a uh, happy uh, Saturday and a fabulous uh, morning to all of you. May you be blessed today and every day of your life. Uh, we pray that uh, this uh, show today will be a blessing to you. And uh, if you've been tracking with us for the last few episodes, uh, you would have noticed that I am taking uh, a new direction uh, with new series it has to do with politics and the Bible. And I think it's timely, really, if you are in the U.S., um, especially with this upcoming election. Um, I can't really tell now if this show will be aired uh, the Sunday before the election or not, but uh, whether before or after, uh, regardless of the outcome, we uh, as believers have to trust that God has a plan, uh, not just for his people, but also for the lost. And God uses government, as we have demonstrated numerous times in the last few episodes from Romans 13, as an agent, as a minister um, uh, to combat um, evildoers and evil and to embrace goodness and, uh, and good work. So we've been exposed to a number of views in the last uh, few episodes. One view would say that, you know, uh, politics and uh, religion or politics and evangelism has to separate completely. There is no business for either one of them to co-mingle with the other. And we've demonstrated that that's not really true. Other views would say that governments are demonic. Uh, and if that's the case, then this is really a clear attack on God because God himself in Romans 13 that stated that uh, there is no government that hasn't been established except uh, those that have been established by God himself and the government's work as an agent, as a minister uh, for God, or God's minister. In other words, if you say they're evil, you're claiming that God is evil, uh, the fact that he is establishing and instituting um, uh, government and political uh, institutions, um, whether a king, a president, a uh, prime minister, whatever the case might be. And um, regardless of uh, your feeling, especially I speak to you as a believer, about someone who is in government, um, uh, we need to be mindful of the fact that God is not surprised also that uh, this person, for whatever reason, according to God's wisdom, he have chosen that particular person to be in office for a purpose. God chose Cyrus, who did not know him. And you can go and read about that in Isaiah 45, at least verses 1 to 6. God clearly said that Cyrus did not know him, yet God chose him, called him my anointed, my Messiah. And really, the outcome of that was religious freedom, resulting in the return of the Jewish people from exile 
to uh, the promised land. So there, something good came out of that, even though Cyrus himself didn't know God. Today, I am going to talk also about another view. And, and these views, by the way, uh, are erroneous views, technically speaking. This view says that do evangelism, not politics. In other words, if you are a believer, if you're the church, if you're a religious person, let's put it this way, generically speaking, you have no business to be involved in politics. In fact, some religious people actually hold to this view, and uh, this is another way of saying separation between church and state. And sadly, of course, when you take a view like this without uh, paying any attention to the biblical teaching, you may end up actually uh, creating more harm to the society rather than good. You know, though this view is expressed often in personal conversations, um, there are writers who tend uh, to focus in this direction to qualify their statement by affirming uh, basically the appropriateness of some political influence by the church. And uh, they argue that it will not do any spiritual or eternal good. Now, uh, I'm not going to mention some of these authors. Uh, I'm not here to pick on anyone. Some of them are prominent preachers, by the way. The idea is that, uh, you know, the church influence in politics did not result in anything good. Well, you know, uh, that is not com com entirely true. Um, you know, as we will uh, demonstrate right now, uh, a number of points to show that God has a purpose for the church and the society itself. Um, this really view, the view that you should separate between evangelism and politics, or at least do evangelism only and ignore politics as a church, uh, is a narrow uh, view that lacks understanding of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And um, uh, the, the, the gospel is God's good news about all of life, by the way. It is not just the good news about certain aspects of life. It is not the good news only for certain class of people and not for the others. It is not the good news for a group out uh, of the community or the society. No, it is the good news for all aspects of life for everyone, actually. And in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we read the following, which is the Great Commission. Our Lord says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations are included here. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is the creator God, basically, the God of salvation teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, the, the question that I have here is that are we talking about, uh, are, are we talking about basically a complete separation where, um, you know, you cannot really have any involvement in politics. And if that's the case, then how do you uh, basically understand the command to go and make disciples of all nations? Who are the people in all nations that you're going to go to? Are you saying you cannot really reach out to politicians, for instance? Are you saying you cannot actually share the truth with those who do not know the Lord, even if they are in power and a place of authority? I mean, there is no distinction here. It says to make disciples of all nations. That includes all classes, by the way. 
uh, uh, people of power and authority and people who are in the low, lower class of that society and anything in the middle. And uh, we have to really look at this uh, from that vernacular, from that perspective. Now, all that Jesus commanded basically includes the Gospels as well as the rest of the Old and the New Testament also. You read about this in 2 Peter 3.2. You read about that, for instance, in John 14.26, that the Holy Spirit will bring to their remembrance the thing that he has taught. And uh, that speaks basically to the disciples and those that will follow him as well. In John 16.13, it talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, basically. In 1 Corinthians 14.37, Paul says that all that he is teaching is commands from God himself. That applies to everybody, uh, you know, believers and non-believers who has to adhere to what is true, whether, of course, the non-believers want to follow it or not. But the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the non-believers, actually, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Are you telling me the Holy Spirit only works with certain classes and doesn't work with others as well? Of course not. This is limiting God's power and God's ability. Now, another thing uh, that I wanted to point out here, that uh, the Christian political activism um, does spiritual good when it is a part of what God teaches us in Scripture. Okay? So the spiritual good involves war, the world as well, involve the world as well. In fact, I want to go to 1 John, I want to go to 1 John 5.3. I'm going to read something for you right now. 1 John 5.3. And in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, we read... Um, the following, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So it is clearly then that there is no separation between the world and our faith in Christ we are able to overcome the world and all that the world might offer. And as a result of this, we need to be mindful of this. There is no separation from God's economy, at least, and his perspective. Not only did Jesus, by the way, forgive sin at a spiritual level, he also healed people at a physical level. In fact, there has been some instances where he healed people and we didn't even know if they believed in him or not. So in other words, there was no mandatory requirement that I heal you, you believe in me. That wasn't the case at all. Jesus cared for both the physical healing and transformation and the spiritual healing and transformation. And uh, that shows that uh, our Lord cared for both, whether believers or non-believers. He cared for mankind who is made in the image of God. Let's take an example, for instance. Countries, let's use North Korea and South Korea, for instance. After the split, North Korea banned any religious activities. Look at their state today. Are they in good shape? Are they doing well? Do they have any blessings in there? Look at South Korea, just south of it, 
and see where religious freedom is allowed. Look how thriving that economy is, that country is, and that freedom is. I mean, so it shows that God really have a purpose when where the freedom is actually allows also for the gospel to flourish as well. So it goes hand in hand if one wants to look at it that way. Uh, the whole gospel includes a transformation of society, by the way. You cannot say the gospel is only for spiritual transformation. No, it transforms everything. There are many mission agencies and missionaries who end up going to closed countries and end up establishing businesses, business as mission, you know, participating in clinics and the medical field, maybe at the university level to teach and train or work as engineers. But at the end of the day, uh, they have been a blessing to those societies uh, regardless of the outcome, whether people in there embrace Christ or not, God used them, used these missionaries, these faithful workers to spread, you know, uh, the goodness of God, the general grace of God uh, among these people. And out of that always comes the few who will embrace him as Lord and Savior. Forgiveness of sin is not the only message, by the way, of the gospel. Jesus was looking for transformed lives, and through them, a transformed world. Think about it. A transformed life will result also in a transformed world. I mean, uh, why should we go, um, uh, you know, that far in uh, Romans chapter 12? In Romans chapter 12, we'll read verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be confirmed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. What does that mean? It means that the believers, by transforming their mind, not just spiritually, they are able now to align with the purposes of God. And that includes wherever God places them. By the way, you know, as a believer, you cannot separate yourself from worldly people at the job. I mean, if we want to take this view, that means as a believer, you, sh you have no business whatsoever to work with anyone who's not a believer. I mean, just look at uh, uh, the impact of that. You're going to be completely out of the loop. You have no clue what the world is up to. You don't know what's going on. You cannot really keep up with the world. And evil will continue to thrive and goodness of God will be shoved aside and persecuted. I mean, that's really a recipe for persecution, if you wish. And in fact, you know, you can say, well, no, if I separate myself from, from the world, no one will persecute me. Well, that's a form of persecution, actually. You are basically succumbing to the pressure of the world and you're separating yourself and therefore allowing the world to do whatever the world likes to do. And that's not really what God actually wants you to do. In 1 John 3, 8, we read, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Where is the devil reigning? You know, the God of this age who blinded their minds? Where is he? He's the one who's roaming like a lion in this world. So 
if you do not get involved in there and fight the good fight, you are not going to be able to make a dent in the work of the devil. After all, I mean, for God's sake, what, what is the purpose then of the full armor of God? Are you telling me the full armor of God is to protect believers from believers? I mean, come on, are we really kidding ourselves here? And the devil is the one who's behind the schemes of this world. And therefore, we have to show the goodness of God. Sometimes people are pressured to follow worldly things because they do not know the truth, but we can present that light to them and they can end up in their position transforming uh, the uh, others as well. The gospel will result in changed lives. But Jesus wants that to also result in changed families as well. You know, one person at a time, true, but also uh, the gospel is to transform families. I mean, you look at Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, the apostle Peter is preaching, and families are running basically to get baptized, repenting, you know, following the Lord, the, the Philippian jailer, the same thing, you know. So, so we look at these kind of examples in the Bible that it's a transformation of groups, not necessarily just one person as well, because the cleansing of the society of, of evil requires that the goodness of God be present and the righteousness of God be there. I mean, let's use medical you know, examples. Um, in order for you to fight illness, you have to inject the medicine to go and fight that illness, okay? Uh, you cannot say, well, I will let the illness just separate. You know, we don't want anything to do with it. Well, you know, people die when, when that results, right? So it's exactly the same way. We are the medicine of God to a society that is in decay, that is failing, that requires healing and transformation. Think of it this way. The evangelism, not politics view, has mistaken what is important to God and taken a view towards the material world that is similar to Platonianism, Gnosticism, meaning the material world is evil. Let's separate ourselves from that. Well, God made the material world also. Why would God tell Adam and Eve to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, to have dominion over all things? That includes the material world. That's our lost position at the fall, yet God at the same time continued to mandate the same thing even after the fall. So we still have that responsibility. Yes, things are more difficult now. In fact, God told uh, Adam that, uh, you know, uh, he has to deal with thorns and thistles now. Uh, why would he ask him to do this if he wants him to separate from a world that is cursed? I mean, ask, uh, let's ask ourselves this question. Uh, it's obvious that Adam need continue to be involved in this cursed world, and uh, we too uh, in Christ have to continue to be involved. Jesus himself says, that I will not take them out of the world. But you're not, uh, he says, you're not of the world, but you are in the world. In other words, we still have a duty to be inside these particular decayed societies. God leaves Christians here on earth to do both evangelism and to do good for others. I mean, let's ask ourselves another logical question. If God doesn't want you as believers to be in this evil world, why did he leave you on earth anyway? He could have taken you. I mean, the minute you accept Christ, you get raptured to heaven immediately. But wouldn't that be cool, actually? 
but that, that wasn't God's purpose. Why do we deal with persecution in the first place? Persecution from home. I mean, people get irritated when you are reaching out to them, by the way, and they feel that you are encroaching on their own comfort zone. If you're minding your own as a believer and not sharing the gospel with people, I doubt anyone will persecute you because they can care less about what you believe in. But obviously, we are required to share the goodness of God with those who are around us. You know, so uh, if we are here to glorify God, we will glorify him in part by obey, obeying his, the commands. You shall love your neighbors as yourself in Matthew 22, 39. Which neighbor is he talking about, by the way? Is he talking only about the believing neighbors? Show me. Where did it say that? Everybody. The goodness of God has to be visible to them. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecuted you. Which enemy are you talking about? A believing enemy? I mean, folks, brothers, sisters, we have to really realize that we have a responsibility as believers. I'm not saying things are easy, nor that I'm saying will always be easy. But I am actually thankful that God promised to be with us until the end of the age, that he will not leave us or forsake us, that he will stand by us, that he will strengthen us by his right hand. So he is doing his part. Let us do ours. Galatians, uh, one of the reasons, by the way, Jesus left us here on earth, that we should glorify him by doing good to other people in all areas of life. Other people include non-believers, by the way. So, for instance, in Galatians 6.10, it says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of God, uh, a household of faith, I should say. In Ephesians 2.10, we read, For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In Matthew 5.16, we read in the same way, let your light shine before others, before men in such a way so that they may see your good works and glorify you, uh, your father who is in heaven. So it's obvious that we have a responsibility to impact the world, to impact the world. So the commands to love our neighbors as ourselves means that we should seek their good in every aspect of society, including seeking to bring about good government and good laws. And God established, by the way, both the church and the government to restrain evil, not one over the other, you know, and here is some of the goodness in history that came because of the influence of the Christian uh, believers on governments, you know, um, the spread of Christianity and Christian influence on governments was primarily responsible, uh, primarily, I should say, uh, responsible for outlawing infanticide, uh, child abandonment and abortion in the Roman Empire. Uh, around 374 AD, uh, responsible for outlawing the uh, gladiatorial, uh, uh, the gladi uh, gladiatorial contest, those in the arenas, the Roman arena that we watch in videos around 404 AD, outlined the branding of criminals' faces, basically. 
um, uh, in 315 AD. They get branded on their face to, that they are criminals. No, God came to forgive and also to transform. Well, there is so much I can share with you. Maybe we'll continue with this possibly next time because this is a deep topic. Again, you've been uh, uh, listening to Let Us Reason and uh, uh, government, politics, and the Bible. And the topic today was do evangelism, do not do politics. And we proved so far from the scripture that that's not the case. As always, thank you for your support and your participation uh, and partnership. Go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to it, Sierra International, Sierra International. Become a, uh, we encourage you to become a Patreon patron and give through that mean and platform. You can also give through PayPal and also encourage you to go to our uh, website, sierrainternational.com, where you can click on Let Us Reason and listen to all of the previous podcasts. As always, thank you so much. And uh, we are so blessed to have you here. Until we meet again next week, have a blessed Saturday. Jesus.